Hi, I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And on the phone with us today from Paris is Vincent Bastide, the CEO of the European Financial Management Association, or EFMA. Welcome, Vincent. Good morning, everyone. So, Vincent, I'd love to just ground the audience. Can you give us a little bit of background on EFMA? So, EFMA is a non-for-profit organization that has been created uh, about 15 years ago and uh, now gathering about 3,000 institutions, uh, banks and insurance companies, um, trying to uh, to uh, get transform and uh, enhancing the innovation and digital uh, for uh, a new customer experience and creating new business models together. So just cr- trying to reinvent financial services. So ESMA is uh, has members in 140 countries, and uh, we are uh, dedicated to uh, the transformation of banking and insurance. So. Would you speak to the members? In your mind, what is the the top thing in their thinking about what's forcing them to change, either because they want to be proactive to market or they just simply want to make sure they react fast enough? I think the first concern is to be compliant. Uh, so uh, the regulation is really driving the changes. Uh, banks are more follower than innovator. Uh, they really want to comply with uh, to comply with rules uh, and make sure uh, they are going on the same on the same track uh, uh, than than others. Even if now they want to differentiate in a way, but uh, they don't want to take some risk. So I think the risk factor is quite uh, interesting. And it's also uh, driving the spirit of uh, of the change uh, at banks. And one of those regulations, of course, from a European standpoint, is PSD2, which really delivers to the market open banking, which really threatens the banking's existing relationship with their customers. How do you see banks interpreting PSD2 and responding to PSD2? Uh, they have to be uh, to be compliant. Uh, they they have to be compliant since the first of uh, January two thousand eighteen, and uh, uh, they have to provide external API for payment swift. Uh, so it's it's a big threat for uh, for the banks uh, because they they think they give the tool to be disintermediated by uh, by by others by uh, by new players um, like Mint or banking in Europe and. Uh, other PSM aggregators uh, that can disrupt. Um, However, they now see some opportunities out of it, um, like um, themselves uh, creating uh, platforms to to provide a wider scope of offers uh, beyond what they are currently offering. And uh, so 64% intend to integrate third-party products. Um, and 44% are planning to include their products into other ecosystem. Now that PSD2 is in effect, how are banks operating differently? I can give you a few examples I'm seeing, not only in Europe, where the regulation played a big role, but also elsewhere, like in the U.S., where the, cons- the, the consumer uh, 
push uh, pushes the banks to move forward as well. So it's not only the regulation, but I think the customer, uh, the customer behavior and the customer new expectations uh, also drives uh, the, uh, the the changes. Uh, and, um, and and for instance, uh, Fidor Bank uh, in, in Europe uh, offer to integrate all the bank services uh, into their app. Uh, they have what they call Fidor Community. Um, and customer can inform finance, financial decision, um, talk with uh, communities and experts much beyond the payment. And uh, Fedor includes also uh, cryptocurrency trading and uh, safety banks transaction into, uh, into its app. Uh, in the U.S., um, there is a, a good example with Capital One. Uh, that launched Swift ID API that provides third parties payment services uh, with two factor sexual authentication. Uh, it provides also rewards points, miles, and cash rewards. So, different services based on API because the customer is asking for it or because the bank uh, can see opportunities in terms of, uh, of new business and, and services. Yeah, and one of the concepts is that banks have been fantastic at providing a sort of set of transaction experiences to consumers. And then you have other players, and I'll use a reference uh, of Amazon, which sort of puts that CX on its, on its head, which says it looks at the lifestyle of a human being and says, well, how do I add value to that lifestyle? And it seems like that's the, the underlying premise of fintech, which is it is creating a set of new experiences and thusly a set of new products that are geared towards how someone runs their life. And it's sort of changing the way banks have to think about their customers and the way they have to think about experience design. Are you seeing that dynamic? Yeah, I'm seeing the dynamic of uh, providing better customer experience, but also kind of catch up with uh, other industries like e-commerce uh, retailers. Uh, the thing is, the bank is considered as a transactional industry and not really a relational industry. And the experience is quite boring compared to a fun experience in other industries. So I'm seeing lots of efforts from banks to uh, change that perception and not only improve the customer experience, but really uh, move beyond the banking offers that they have, which is sometimes painful or negative, and uh, try to have have more fun or more diversity in the products. Right. One of the premises of PSD2 is it, it, in theory, unlocks the value of data. How are banks now thinking of mining their own data and using their own data differently so that they can match up, either match up what fintech is doing or provide experiences that are better than because they simply have had, they've had a longer period of time with that transactional data? Yeah, they, they have a huge asset with the data because they have, as you said, the, uh, the transactional data, they have, uh, they have the purchase data, they have also lots of KYC data about their customers. So they just need to better manage the data uh, to monetize the data. And uh, uh, it started in, uh, in, in April 2012 when uh, Bank of America created uh, the special deal program uh, and uh, to to offer extra value to the customer, uh, because as you said, um, it's what you can see at uh, at Amazon, for instance. It's not only using the data to use the data, but it's using the data to provide value for the customer and to provide 
uh, to provide the, a great recommendation that uh, that that are matching uh, the the customer profile or or, uh, or expectation due to uh, some analysis about the the, the peer group's uh, behavior. Um, so this is some something that banks are learning. Uh, they are hiring new profile, new talent people to uh, to do uh, to have more data scientists and uh, make some predictions. Um, that is true also for insurance companies. Um, uh, you know, I've been told recently by Alliance um, that uh, they can now predict based based on data. Um, and they can now predict who is going to have an accident next year. And they did the exercise last year, and they were true by 85%. So that the analytics is really amazing. And uh, when, they, when they reported that to me, it was in, in October. So probably the figure of 85 is even higher. Mm. So in October, you know, they checked the list, they, they, they set up, uh, uh, in December, the, the previous year, they checked the list, their predictive list. 85% of the names they had on the list had got, had got an, an accident so far. So probably 90 or 95% of the list was right. Wow. I hope I'm never on that list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that's that's just an example to to tell you how data uh, uh, analytics um, uh, can be powerful, not only to resell the data or to use the data uh, within a B two B model, you know, to create some um, some agreements with third parties, not to to sell the data and get rid of the data because it's not allowed, but also for the bank itself to be more relevant, to be more 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 predictive, uh, or to be more more uh, I mean less risky, um, and so to improve the score of the customer, and um, so that that is a huge potential, and uh, I think the way uh, it's just the beginning, you know, the way banks uh, are doing business today will dramatically evolve uh, due to that new fuel, uh, which is the data. And uh, it's just the beginning of the story how to use the data. Right. Just a question. You mentioned insurance. And I was in Canada this week and speaking with a set of insurers. And what they have done is they pooled some of their monies and, and sort of brought forth a, an entity called Cook's House Labs. And what they're doing is they're sharing innovation among the players in the industry because in part, the thinking is that they're going to have a tough time innovating from within because their talent, their processes, their mindset is not geared towards something different. It's geared towards much of the same. Are you seeing that take place in other markets? I'm not seeing banks today or insurance coming together to, to third parties. I think this is a big, um, a big improvement that banks need to do to make more alliances. But I'm not really seeing big things together, except maybe in regarding payment consortiums like blockchain or things like that, but it's really early stage. It's not something that banks usually do because in their DNA, they, they, they are like big castle and they consider, um, you know, it's better to do the business inside of the bank and secure the data, the data inside of the bank and not be open. So this is a big change for the bank to consider um, partnership, and that that is 
that is the future of banking to create ecosystems, to create marketplace and to create partnerships with other banks or insurance companies, not only to create innovation, but to provide global customer experience. Yeah, and it seems like those ecosystems don't necessarily have to be uniquely within banking because banking is obviously supporting the customer's relationship with hospitality, with hotels, with retail, others. There's a role for banks in different ecosystems across industries. But to your point, they have to sort of go from a castle and moat mentality to an open ecosystem and innovation mentality. Yeah, that, that is something uh, that we will uh, uh, discover. We, we have, uh, there is a big uh, conference in London, mid of May, uh, called CCX Forum, where banks will explain what they do to create, uh, to create end-to-end ecosystem and just to manage the, 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 the daily life of the customer, which is, which is not the case today. But if you, if you look at, for instance, what uh, Sberbank is doing in Russia, um, they try to create a kind of a customer journey for not only for banking, but for uh, a leisure, for uh, holidays planning, for um, uh, transportation. You can buy a ticket uh, from their website. You can buy uh, you can buy a, a museum ticket or, or m- many things from your day. Um, that uh, that you are not used to to do from your for your bank platform that is going to be available uh, from the bank so as a kind of uh, gateway of your of your digital life um, because the bank has a strong asset as you know which is uh, to be trusted by uh, by the customer so if the banks provides more than only financial services but also day in life services then uh, like spare bank then it's more value because they can also the bank can make uh, um, some margin somehow you know some business out of, of these new offers beyond banking but also it's a way to keep the relationship with the customer and to and to to change the perception of the bank which is some, somehow boring or painful so it feels like the very nature of banks is changing, not just like updating or changing the services that they provide, but to your point, how they position themselves and how consumers really perceive them more than a boring or painful transaction. Well, first of all, in the regulator perspective, this is a good timing. So I'm not surprising, you know, the GDPR and PSD2 comes together because we can consider that um, it could represent a kind of risk for the customer data and the regulator just want to secure. Uh, in a way, the regulator wants to uh, to have more competition between the banks and uh, create new uh, opportunities to other players uh, in financial services and big banks to decrease the pricing and put some pressure on in a way and uh, shake up the banking industry. But in another way, they want to make sure the, the customer data is going to be protected. So that's why in May 2018, uh, the banks will... Uh, will need to make sure they are compliant to uh, to the GDPR but I don't think it's a, it's a big deal for the for the banks because they are used to manage very very well the customer privacy so one more question is we're we're talking about sort of experiences and the use of data which then beckons a question about their digital environment and banks have you know meaningful tech debt meaning 
They have systems that are unique to them, possibly aged, and take real work for them to sort of operate in a modern, digital, fast environment. Yet the fintech comes in and they don't have that same tech debt. How are you seeing banks sort of ensure that their digital capabilities are in on par with the market and, and quickly so? How are banks sort of handling the digital question? Yeah, that, that is true. The big, uh, the big uh, uh, challenge that the banks have is uh, their big legacy, uh, IT legacy. And uh, in a way, they can consider they have two main constraints or disadvantage, uh, disadvantages that uh, the fintech don't have. So one is, uh, one is uh, the IT legacy and, uh, and the other one is the regulation. Uh, but they have some assets uh, as well, so that's uh, uh, that's not the end of the game. You know, they they, they own the, the the customer trust, and they have branches that can be also considered as an advantage, not on, not only a drawback or a cost. Uh, they have a reputation, they have a big brand, they have many things. But to come back to your question, uh, uh, you know, they they, they um, when 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 we talk about uh, um, the innovation and what banks are doing, you know, there, there are two things. There, there is man, the, 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 the way they manage their, uh, their systems today, which is the run part, so the system of run, uh, which is basically how much effort and, and investment uh, uh, are the banks putting in, into the run part of the business. And then there is a system of innovation, which is how can I get rid of that big legacy and how can I be more agile and uh, and, uh, and and innovate and, and uh, embed more uh, more uh, offers, mash up services, and, and and create new experience with that flexibility. Um, and the, what I'm seeing on the market is. Uh, that uh, first of all, the level of investment uh, came from about 90% uh, to uh, the run and only 10% to the system of innovation to uh, less than 80% for the run and 22% on average uh, for innovation. So that is quite a good news. And that is due to cutting edge technology. Uh, and we are used to uh, we just talked about uh, open banking, uh, but there is also intelligence, uh, artificial intelligence, blockchain, new, new digital banks launches, uh, the new wallets, uh, you know, the service wallets, um, the data analytics. We, we talked also uh, about that, uh, including the prediction. And so all of that represents now more in terms of innovation and, uh, than, than it was in the past. So, Vincent, what role does culture and leadership play here as banks innovate and make some of these changes? What we can see on the market is uh, that uh, the, the, the banks have set up, uh, for most of them, a kind of split uh, from these two. So, a B-model, they, they have entered into a B-model uh, um, um, strategy. So um, they have their run uh, that is really managed by IT, yep. and they ha and they have now started their new project based, you know, on 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 on, on a new core system uh, that could be even sometimes uh, hosted in the cloud, and uh, that is more true for. 
um, private banking, wealth management, or microfinancing than for the, uh, uh, let's say, traditional or ongoing retail banking systems. But, uh, but for the new businesses that I was describing, they sometimes put the ERP into the, uh, the cloud, and they, they have that bimodal approach, bimodal approach, um, that uh, that gives them more flexibility rather than trying to add one more layer uh, that is adding some more complexity. Um, and, um, and that's the way uh, probably which is the, uh, the, 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 the most used one to, uh, to uh, get uh, uh, quite easily some, some flexibility rather than trying to uh, connect to the old uh, core system, core banking system, which is sometimes uh, very tricky to uh, to uh, to change or to uh, or to connect to, because people who created it uh, sometimes are retired or or um, or dead. Or or frankly, or frankly, yeah, yeah. So Vincent, just as a close here, EFMA works with senior leaders across the world. And if you are sitting around with a select set of CEOs in banks and insurers, what is the single piece of advice that you give them? Like, what is the thing that you leave them with that they have to continue doing or do differently or do more of? What's what's that big idea you leave them with? That's quite secret, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, more seriously, I, I think the first big message is that there is more risk to not do anything than trying to do new things and and be involved in, in how to reinvent financial services. I think the, this is something that we need to do together. And uh, that's not something that one bank can do alone. Uh, transforming the industry is not something that one company can do. We have, you know, we have a French idiom that says that the candle makers are not the ones that have invented the light bulb. I, I think even if it's going to be hard, it's something that we need to do together instead of waiting and thinking nobody else will do it for us. Because in the candle example, somebody else did it and disrupted that industry. So first thing is we do need to sit together and think and that's why we have at EFMA the councils where we try to reinvent and in, in the different uh, banking business and also in insurance business. We address the challenges and we, we think about the new business models and, the, and how digital and technology can have a positive impact uh, for the banks and, for the, and, and bringing also value for the customer in the differentiate customer experience. But, you know, that the first message is think about the future and uh, don't think that waiting is, is a solution. The risk is higher to not do anything than doing something. The big message is that they need to take the lead to transform the world. And not only financial services, because finance is everywhere. And this is something that is very true for high tech in, in the high tech industry. If you look at uh, the big tech companies, they all want to change the world. And if you look at what banks are saying in their tagline, sometimes it's a bank for a changing world. It's not a bank to transform the world or to change the world. It's four. So it, it's, it's a big culture change that they need to operate. So take the lead. Attract also new customers and not only think about improving 
services to their customers, not trying only to catch up, trying to be the ones to create something new. That could be together with different banks, but that is something that is going to create a different perception by the customers on the market because the innovation are not necessarily coming from other industries and banks don't need only to catch up. Creating alliances, I think it's a strong message to provide a global experience and service to the customers because once again, the customers are traveling. The customer may own a business and they expect a global service. They don't expect a service just in the U.S. or just in in one country in South Africa or in Japan. They expect to have a global experience and they expect the bank to create the bridges. So my recommendation to these CEOs of banks is look at what happened 15 years ago with transportation and airline companies. They created alliances and that created some uh, cost efficiency for the companies but also that created a different customer experience. And you know, when you, when you are a French citizen and you come to San Francisco and you want to withdraw some cash, you don't expect to pay, to pay a big fee. That is alliance. And you may expect to have a business meeting with a customer in a business lounge. And that is something that you may expect from your bank or to have some financial services uh, uh, in that country. This is also something that they need to consider not to try to launch only their new services to on, uh, alone or for one market, but think global and think also about adoption. Adoption is something that requires to think differently, uh, like the minimum value proposition instead of the maximum value proposition, because we, there is a prime to be the first one sometime to launch a new digital service. And this is something that they need also to consider. Another recommendation is think B2B. Don't only think B2C. Think B2B is not only to address SME customers, but think different ways your models, like third parties uh, sharing revenues or uh, how to sell the data that you own about the customer, not to provide them the data, but to provide a third-party business thanks to it. Think about how you can drag some of your customers to other partners and think ecosystem. That are my main recommendations to them. Well, Vincent, thank you so much for your time today. Extremely illuminating. Clearly, banks have a lot on their plate. And to your last point, an important point, which is there's more risk in standing still than than actually taking risks at this point in time. So thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you to you. Yeah, thanks for your time today. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And don't forget to leave us a review. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.